Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Game to Love podcast. JG, Ben, we're here this week with a guy from Tweenerhead. Uh, another YouTube channel is Philip. Philip Bammer. <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm fantastic. Can't complain. I'm glad to be here, share a beer with you guys, and just have some fun. Cheers. Why not? Indeed. In this time of uh, COVID-19, I feel this is the best time for all of us just to collaborate together and just get the views of like-minded people like ourselves. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I saw your channel on Twitter. So originally I come across you on Twitter. So I thought, oh, let's have a, see, let's have a look what this guy's been up to. I looked on your Twitter, on your YouTube. Uh, if you don't know already, guys, just check out his YouTube channel. Um, I'll put it in the, in the description and um, you'll be able to check out some of his videos. And it's actually really interesting stuff. Like he, this guy, he goes around, he goes to different tournaments, he plays a bit of tennis himself, he does vlogs, uh, he does a bit of everything. A bit of he's a bit like us, trying to do like a fun tennis channel. Uh, do you have anything else lined up for the recent uh, coming up? Or no? If I'm going to be honest with you, my whole schedule's been disrupted by this pandemic, and I was actually it was funny because I had a flight scheduled to go to Houston for the clay court championships on Saturday. And I got a text from United saying your flight's ready to check in. And I went, Nope. And I just said, no, I'm just going to stay in my house. Yeah. Sounds safer. It it sounds very safe. Yeah. Is there going to be any tennis players there? Do you reckon? But people, it's everything's been canceled. I know. But wasn't there the, I saw recently that you went to, Indian Wells, and there was a few players that were already there. That Everyone was there. Yeah, and, and then it was cancelled. And, and what, there's just three yeah. courts left for people just to practice on, I guess. Yeah. All the courts were practice courts. People were just playing there, just having hit, like, just hit in practice. And I think there was still, was there fans still there watching? Or I get, were they banned completely? So they had, 
so what had happened was there's the challenger that happens right before it for men and women. So women's 125K and the men's, I think, 100 or 125K yeah. as well. And that tournament was happening. And then some of the bigger names started to roll in later in the week to kind of warm up for the tournament while the challenger was still going on. And this tennis paradise is actually a real club and has over 700 members. So they would have members playing in the morning and then they would have the players go on probably around 12, maybe 11 after the members play. And so, and then later in the week they had the email and the announcement saying that ball kids will be wearing gloves. No one's supposed to touch the towel to kind of prevent the possibility of this going around. And then literally a, not even 12 hours before the tournament was going to start, they cancel it. And I was out to dinner with some friends and they got the email and it was kind of like, okay, now what? And everyone was kind of just starstruck from that. Yeah. yeah. And then I think that sort of like queued a lot of other tournaments to start getting canceled. Then we saw, I think after that, the French open was being, was it being moved to September, like six days after the U S open in line with where the labor cup should, would be. Yeah. Uh, and then recently, we've just seen the news that Wimbledon's been cancelled, and obviously all the the clay court tournaments in between that, Monte Carlo, all of them, all been cancelled as well. So, like you say, there's no tennis to be played, there's no tennis to watch. It's a time now where we've got Zoom. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's Zoom. all we got. That's not it, man. And we've just That's we've all we got. Tennis, but apart from talking tennis, there's not much more we can do. No, seriously, there isn't, and I think. It was crazy because what they had during after Indian Wells was announced canceled, they still planned to play the Phoenix Challenger, which was basically a small 250 as well because the highest ranked player, I think, was Millman. And the cutoff was 150 in the world for the men. And they were going to move the whole Tennis Channel crew down to there from Indian Wells to kind of hopefully play another tournament. Wow. Then more, and as soon as Indian Wells started getting canceled, everything started tumbling. And then Phoenix got canceled, and then Miami, Miami, and everything kind of just went downhill from there. No, No, I think it's the right decision. As much as I like, I hate to do like they've got to do it. The the nature of tennis, with like um, the way tennis is, like there's people from all over the world all coming together to different venues across the world. So it's like the worst possible thing to, when there's a pandemic it's the worst possible thing to spread the virus yeah. <laughs> exactly and, and so, um, one I, saw, people, I saw who it was of someone saying one of the pro players saying that they thought that tennis is going to be the last sport to, that we're going to see resume yeah yeah well, how do you feel about that do you think that's true or last to resume I think they're Maybe, basically like, I could see it people going all over like it's the way it's going to it's going I to could see it the most sports I could see it because from what I've heard around at Indian Wells is Indian Wells is a time where a lot of people get sick. Like a stomach bug goes around, people get colds, people get flus because you have everyone as like the first biggest tournament and you have everyone coming from around the world. So it had to be. And I think during the final or semifinals of the challenger at Indian Wells, there were still big crowds and there were small hallways to like go up the stands And I'm thinking to myself, if they think just not just giving ball kids gloves and players just to touch their own towels is the right idea to do, they're not doing enough. If they're not, if you still have masses amounts of people walking around, standing next to each other, 
sat in the stands right next to each other. Like in everybody too. Yeah, exactly. So there was no way to fully. What did they say? It lives it on different like uh, surfaces. People touching handrails. People touching door handles. People exactly. doing touching everything. It just lives on it for days, apparently. So, so just, why would we? Why would we do that? Yeah, it's just asking for trouble. But that tournament you were saying, the one that was before, it was just sort of like the Challenger Indian Wells was the one that actually did take place. There was like actually some good, really good tennis in that tournament, which was like really exciting leading up to. The actual main Indian Wells. We had that guy I know that we briefly spoke about before we came on air, which was Brandon Nakashima, guy yeah. we've been uh, constantly promoting over the past, like, well, since we started the podcast, really. Yeah. And yeah, it just turns out, yeah, you've had the pleasure of speaking to the guy. Can you tell us uh, what that was like? Because he's a rising star. He's... He's a quiet kid, but the kid has the tennis IQ of any big name that you can think of. I, when I met him in Dallas, he was able to mix up his shots and the way he was able to kind of have a game that suited everyone, that could beat anyone, that could be consistent enough and while he looks more relaxed while playing, he was still able to kind of switch up everything and still play to beat these guys. I, he definitely needs more high-end experience, but that at 18 years old and the kid's 6'2", 6'3", like the kid's already there. So, and he's already in the top 250. I thought so, what was really uh, promising was that, like we, we said as well, he played Delray Beach, wasn't it? The, just the week was it the week before or the well, a couple of weeks prior? Uh, probably two weeks before, yeah. I think. And then he beat Vesely, who's, well, yeah. he just won an ATP event himself, and then beat Nori, and then took a set off Nishioka, who is another player that we just constantly going on about. Amazing player. I think Nishioka yeah. was a step too far for him, but it just shows like, how far he's come like, to be able to beat Nori and some of the shots he played in that game. I remember seeing the highlight reel. I didn't actually watch the game. Yeah. It was oh. incredible. The guy, he had some amazing shots, and it just shows, like, at the 18. Half, the half-volley one at the net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that amazing. was the shot of the tournament by far. Yeah. Just it, unbelievable. It really does make me wonder, like, how far can this kid go? Obviously, like, for me, he's young. I've never I've never seen him off a surface of hard. I think he's only ever played on hard, from my recollect. I can't say I, I've never seen him playing any off a surface. I agree with you. He hasn't. I don't uh, think he has played anything but hard. No, so I think it would be very, it would have been interesting. Say if Wimbledon was to go ahead, if he was able to get a wild card into it or maybe qualify, yeah. um, to see how he would fare on sort of grass. Because I think he's got the game to be able to play on that. And um, I think it would have been extremely exciting to see how he fared, to be honest. I agree. I think he definitely had it. And I, he was even up in the second set in Delray against Nishioka. He's been up against some of these big names in. Yeah. While he's gotten far into tournaments, he just there's just something there that just needs to close because he was up in the tiebreaker against Nishioka too, mm. and he loses. Oh, he was. I think I remember he. I think he was up five two in the second set tiebreaker. Loses seven five. Oh wow! <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's he's there. He's definitely there. He just needs maybe just another little push. Yeah, no, we've been watching a lot of him. Like yeah. he's been someone on our radar. Like we watch a lot of his games in terms of like. Because he's on a very good run. Like he's on the Challenger Tour. He was got in a very successful one of beating everyone he was playing. Yeah. 
And um, funny enough, there's another player what springs to mind when I talk about that sort of level and that tour. And I don't know if you know who he is. Is it JJ Wall? Yeah, JJ. He's signed with... I always think... Yeah, because he played at Ohio State. He was regarded as one of the top college players uh, before going pro. Okay. Unbelievable. His run of form at the back end of last year or just the beginning of this year. I think he won, was it about 12, 13 straight matches? Yeah. He won two straight uh, challenger titles. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, and he was actually a bit disappointed because I think he just missed out on the Australian Open qualifying. He got to the yeah, final. I think he did too. Went out. And um, I feel like, I don't know, we, we, we love up-and-coming players. Like, we did mention before as we were talking, like, we watch a lot of the Challenger Tour. We like watching, like, the young players coming through. And we feel like he's one to really stay and, like, push on. It would have been really exciting to see him in, in, a, in a climate playing against, like, the top ATP players, see how he would fare. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And JJ definitely had raw power playing at when I first saw him in Cleveland and I did a post-match interview with him, like kids got unbelievable raw talent. He just needs a couple more things to make him that elite player. Mm. And have you seen him with his mullet yet or no? Uh, no. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen it. I think maybe on flash scores, there's some, he's got, he yeah. definitely you, need, you need to look at <laughs> he was playing for Ohio state when he had the mullet. I think you guys would die at that photo. All right, yeah, no, we'll get it up for sure. We'll have yeah. a look. I, I saw. I watched one. I watched one of his matches, which was I see if I see the date. I think it was mid February, which was against another rising sort of youngster from Austria. Is this a Rod? I saw you. You had actually interviewed him. Was it Roddy or not? Yeah, yeah. When, yeah. Uh, he won Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Another amazing like up and coming player as well. Like this is another player that's just sort of been on the radar over the past like year. We've been watching tennis. 20-year-old um, from Austria. and Yeah, he's another one that kind of just has been there, but he's been able to kind of develop well this year, I think, because he won two challengers, I think, this year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. had some really good runs, run of form. I think he beat uh, in the final. Who, who was he beating? For? Oh, Fik- Fikovic, I think it says. Uh, yeah. He, I think hard. Uh, let me see. I think that was in... He beat Kudla in Dallas. Yeah, that was yeah in... the only thing I remember off the top of my head, like recently, which was a bit of a disappointment, like I know he's been on a brilliant run, that is he lost to uh, Zapata Moranas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what tournament that was in, but that was the most... Like, I must admit, like being in... in Kazakhstan, in that one. Tennis, yeah. like, yeah, Kazakhstan, that's right. That was the last sort of event I can actually remember. It seems like, to me, it seems like about three years ago. Everything seems, <laughs> every, everything seems like last year, but it's, we're already yeah, yeah. in April in 2020 and everyone's kind of already lost it. Like, I keep thinking yeah. about Dubai as well and like Doha and tournaments oh, yeah. like that. The clay court swing, there was a bit of like Cordoba. Like for me, that seems like an eternity ago. But that's like the last tennis we saw. Yeah. The one thing that I'm, I, I think is going to be interesting is just to see, because all these players that we had going into this break in such good form, are they going to come back out in the same form? Or is it just going to completely throw it all like it's no. going to all up in the air again? Like Djokovic yeah, is undefeated. Different levels, and we know what it's like. But when you don't play tennis, you mentioned it earlier, Philip, if you don't play tennis for a bit, it's very difficult to get back into the swing of things and get the rhythm back. These obviously, granted, are a lot better than what we are. Well, me and Ben, definitely. <laughs> maybe you, you're more up there. 
But like, Thank it's going to take them a while to get back to that, right? The rhythm is going to be insane. Like, it's going to be look. It's going to look like they playing like a tournament for the first time in their lives once they come back to it. I can't imagine trying to play a pro level tournament for actual money immediately after this is over. That's what I we can't said. Imagine that. We said uh, it's probably come at the best time for Federer. He's injured. He's probably going to come back. He can probably just step back onto a court and wipe the floor with most people anyway. So this will probably benefit him the most out of everybody. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel like if Wimbledon wants to go to, to have taken place, obviously it's not now. Like we know that this pandemic's just growing. But I feel like Wimbledon was Rogers for the taking. What did you think of the French moving? Like not announcing anything? What did you think of it? Just uh, completely think, just like, God, like... We're moving it here, no questions. I think it's very arrogant of the French organisers to be doing it, but I can kind of understand why they did it. At the end of the day, they sort of foreshadowed what was going to be happening, and they thought, okay, a lot of these events are going to be cancelled. How about we pick a random date in a future, in a future date, and let's, let's hope that in September it's more clear and we're able to play the tournament. It's them just being a bit selfish and thinking, oh, I don't really care. I disregard the ATP. I disregard what the players think. I disregard about what all the other tennis tournaments are saying. We're going to have the tournament and we're putting it in September. And that's what happened, to be honest. I don't think it's the right thing to do. And if I'm honest, I'm not even sure. If it's, I don't think it's still going to be going ahead, to be honest. What, what do you see. think, Philip, on uh, the ATP's response to them doing it is they said that they might remove all the points from the tournament. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even hear that. Yeah. I, <laughs> they said for, for, for this year and next year. As a punishment. Do you want a professional answer or do you want a real answer? <laughs> I know, like, who's going to be, is anyone going to be playing the French Wait, Open? First, I want Rafa's answer. What would Rafa say? <laughs> He'll still right, play it. Rafa would still play it no matter what, just to get another trophy. Him and team would be battling it out between them, I think. I, I just think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. And I think going back to your statement of it being arrogant, I completely agree with no consulting of anyone with no idea of all right here are the other tournaments let's not plan around the smaller tournaments let's plan around two big tournaments that take the top 20 players from the men's side for three straight weeks yeah u.s open labor cup yeah yeah. and let's have them choose between each one and that's cool it's i i just i and i said this with uh, a player that I was talking to last week, it was, I just think it's, it, the word for it, I would say it was dumb because there's no other way to put it. There's no, like, how do you, how do you move? How do you move a grand slam? How do you financial. move a grand slam? I think it's all just financial, isn't it? They're probably thinking we're going to be losing so much money out of ticket sales. And at least if they were able to get it running, even if it didn't do as that well, they'd still make, cover some losses that they probably have facing but everyone's facing these same things why should they be benefiting when everybody else has to suffer or just do what Wimbledon did and cancel it yeah like what was like what's the difference like say just save the money just take the loss and just move on yeah they weren't prepared to by the looks of there must be something that we don't know going on behind the scenes that they're trying to like make ends meet or something we don't know that's it's terrifying to know that there's that much going on behind the scenes that no one knows about yeah, yeah, that's always been the case, and always will be. <laughs> I think it's still shocking that everyone only finds out stuff on Twitter as well. They don't even apparently Wimbledon were the only tournament so far that actually let their 
let everybody know well in advance that they weren't needing to travel to London for the event. Really? Yeah, everybody else, when they like, it wasn't Indian Wells, they all found out on Twitter first. Like, all the players were finding out as the announcement was posted to Twitter. <laughs> Wimbledon taken the high ground on it all. Wimbledon being the pinnacle of tennis. And they've taken <laughs> the high ground and they've literally said, oh yeah, we're going to be telling the players first and then we're going to cancel the tournament. The right way to do it, in my opinion. The pinnacle of professionalism that is Wimbledon. We've been getting a lot of uh, crap for this as well. No, people, really? people, yeah, there was there was a few people saying that uh, we're disrespecting the other Grand Slams by calling Wimbledon the well, it's sort of the home of tennis, really, for like a lot of people. I, I think for that, I wouldn't say you're not disrespecting anyone. I think it's just the right way to do. Australia, we had the we had the bushfire incident. And I don't think they ran that properly. I think no. U.S. Open U.S. Open is so far down the line that no one knows what's going to happen to it. And I think the the only thing that we saw from being an unprofessional state is the French Open, and yeah. and the way Wimbledon did it was just, I think, the proper way that everyone went about it. Yeah, I agree. Proud of our. Uh home even though we're so super sad that it's not going ahead because it was the one we were looking forward to the most and we we're hoping it might just all finish and then we could squeeze in Wimbledon and we'd get to go but I'm no glad chance. that they've taken the right the right decision really because fair play to them they're actually doing being professional about it which is good yeah. to yeah, see. We're looking to be more like you Philip and do like vlogs. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, this was the year of our podcast. Game to love started in 2020, started in January, not been around for very long. Exactly. And we was hoping to like, we was, this is our year of tennis. And what, what happens is a globe, there's a worldwide pandemic. We'd booked, exactly. we'd nearly yeah. booked Italy, didn't we? We nearly booked a challenger. In yeah, that would have been the worst. Yeah, we're going to go to Northern Italy for a challenger. We had it all booked out on Skyscanner. I know. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't actually buy those tickets because... Which challenger was it? It was uh, near Pescala. It was, uh, what was the name of it? I can't remember. But yeah, it was just close to Pescala Airport. Uh, it was just, just on the coast. On the, I think it was like the, is it on the East Coast? I think. But yeah, it was, I think uh, quite a few uh, decent players around the top 100 were normally playing in there. I'll let you know the name. But yeah, have a look. I think who won it last year it was uh, Kiroz, I think, won it last year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Roberto Kiros? I believe so, yeah. I I remember earlier this year, too, when they announced... I don't know if you guys heard about this. Is The Challenger in Northern Italy, where they canceled the final due to COVID, and they split the finalist fee and split yeah. the points for making the finals. Saw that, yeah. <laughs> what th- do you think of that? Because I thought that was kind of crazy. I think it's... I don't know. I think that they did the best thing that they could. If, if they had to cancel, they have to cancel. But at least they were didn't just ruin it for everybody. They actually went, oh, fair enough, we'll split it. And Was this the Bergamo Challenger? The what, yeah, the one yeah. they canceled the final. I think so, yeah. Uh, think and that it. was against, um, I remember this, Martenko Kukard, is it? Kukard? I can't oh. even remember, to be honest. Yeah, the only reason I know is because I was following the whole tournament. Me and Ben was playing a game. Really? Like, you can go, like, we were seeing, like, um, we basically had this game what we play at work, like, just predicting, like, who's going to win each game in the tournament. And um, yeah. I was like riding this guy Enzo Kukard. I don't know if you know who he is. No. Yeah, he's a French guy. That's pretty guy. funny. Yeah, and no, I was like completely on this guy. Like every time he managed to get to the final, that's how I know. 
It's a bit of a random yeah. stash. I shouldn't know that. I shouldn't know that much. <laughs> that, it's like fun facts that are very random. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's random. There's tons of random facts about really, really low-ranked players that we've got. <laughs> yeah. I heard I one of you picked Kennan to win. Who? I heard one of you picked Kennan to win the Australian Open. Yeah, thank you. Please, please talk me through your thought process with that. Well, we've been following her on, uh, well, for the, on the whole tour from the season before. She'd been one which was always popping up and playing okay. so well on hardcore. And I was even saying to Jaron, I just said, I just sort of fancy she's beaten a lot of the top like five players in other hardcore challenge like not challenges wta events uh-huh. i just thought i don't know i just quite fancy her as an outsider in this tournament and it just <laughs> turned out that yeah she won it all right fair game fair game i know yeah but she had she just had just got the game she's got, i think with the women's game anyone can beat anyone on every any given day and that's the beauty of that but she just had one of those tournaments where she played incredible with that tournament and relentless that one I used in that final against Muguruza when she had that I think she was three break points down I think on her own yeah and she just hit three amazing winners one after the next you're like this is another level it was five winners after that she hit the three to get to juice and then she just went advantage thing as well and I think she carried it into the next game as well it was incredible she just found form when I feel like she's a, for a young girl, she, she's not really, she doesn't show much fear. And she's someone she, who's able to rise to occasions. She plays shots very cleverly, I think. She was down 4-2, love 40, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. And she came back in that set. And I was just like, you're kidding, right? I know. It was crazy. And as soon as she did that, you just, the writing was on the wall then. You just knew that. You she knew. Yeah, you wish you weren't going to lose it from there. But that Muguruza, after that first set, I was like, ah, here we go. <laughs> that pick's not looking so good, but yeah, she came back. I was super surprised when she played so and well. And is good, though. She's coming yeah. back to her form. Yeah. Well, she she tried to. Better. She tried to, at least this year. Yeah. She's, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> she's looking good, though. I, I was surprised that she got to the final for some reason. I don't know. I didn't expect her to be there. But. Not many people did, because after... What is she, a three-time or a two-time Grand Slam champion? She won the French, she won Wimbledon. Piece. I think she's twice two times. I think it's just Wimbledon and uh, French Open. She didn't win Wimbledon twice, right? Uh, I need to double check. As far as I know, I think it's just one and one. Okay. But after, but after that, it was kind of like a Kerber story of where she just dropped off. Hundred percent. She didn't drop off as hard as Kerber. Like she dropped off harder than Kerber, but Kerber was still within the top thirty, even when after she won her three slams. Yeah, but Kerber's not really been competing of late. I don't know what she's doing. I'm not really sure what's happened there. But she, like you say, she was the world number one for, for a while, right? I know, yeah. And she was playing the incredible tennis. She was winning a lot of things she was in. And then it seems to me like there's like a new breed of tennis coming through. Like you have Bianca Andreescu, Alison Risk, like playing some brilliant tennis. And then you've got yeah. like the young, like Coco Goff coming through. And there's a lot of young women, te- like uh, tennis players. Rybikina, another one. I, I, I like she's yes. a really good player. Wins a lot winning recently as well, starting 2020 brilliantly. I think she's won more matches than anyone in 2020. So the women's tour is very exciting to watch. I just feel like, like Ben said earlier, uh, it's very open in terms of like you enter a tournament and there's a lot of you never know who can win. Well, that match for in Dubai that was that recent uh tournament there, and I thought, well, I was shocked a little bit because I wasn't didn't really know much about Ons Jabur 
But then when she came up against Halep, that match was epic. I've, yeah. I've watched that whole match, and I just thought she was so unlucky. She had one, I think she had one match point at one point, and then just the title, just she bottled it, really yeah, bottled it. She I think really she could have done that. She could. She she was just started hitting it in the middle of the net suddenly, and all of her shots just went to pop. And they were like, no, after such a good, amazing performance, like the whole. I didn't think that was probably the game of her life she was playing there against Hallett. And the whole crowd was against her as well. They're all for Hallett. Was that a quarterfinal? Or was that the round of 16? Yeah, I think it was quarterfinal, yeah. Okay. Because that, yeah. that was a good matchup for the Australian Open. I also like Anna Samova. Like, no one talked about her after yeah. she did well at the French Open last year. And then Coco Goff came into the scene and kind of all the rest of the Americans took a bad back seat for someone that made what, the round of 16 for Wimbledon? Yeah. She got spanked, though, recently, didn't she, by uh, Serena, was it? I think she came up against her in another tournament that was just after the Australian Open. She lost, like, 6-1, 6-1 or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty harsh like that. But I, she's a very, very promising player. She's got, like, all the attributes, like you say. It's freaky to see that kind of athleticism. Yeah, yeah I know. Crazy. Very crazy. I know. Well, I think... Coco Goff, we did a little podcast on it recently just because we just think that she's well got showing all the signs of being one of the greats from she already won a WTA event in what she was 15 already. Yeah, so, she won Linz, I think, in Austria yes, towards the end right. of last year. Yep, yeah, that's right. Which is better than what, say, Serena Williams did in her breakthrough season, or even like looking back, like Steffi Graf as well. Yeah, uh, we did like a little breakdown. If you've not checked that out, check out that video, of course. Um, but Another thing I want to talk about on the subject of young players, I feel like a lot of the time on our recently on our channel we've been do, we've been dominated by the big three. We've been mm -hmm. having this goat chat and it's getting a bit repetitive. Okay. So I feel like a good thing to have. We've got Philip on here. He loves his tennis. He loves his young people in tennis, okay. not in a weird way. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I know you're gonna get him oh, into trouble. Oh god. But I feel, I've got a question for you anyway. Go for so, it. Aside from the top three, who do you think is the biggest threat to winning Grand Slams? Because I've seen them, I've seen Ooh. them same names, the same time, over and over again. People come with a thing of saying Zverev, or you've got Team, or you've got Medvedev, or you've got Sitipas. There's a lot of players there kicking about. But do you, or Felix even, another really young guy, do you feel like these guys can compete? Will be winning a Slam while the top three are still are still active and still playing? Okay, I, I was waiting for the end of that because I wanted to know if the big three were still active or not. If the yeah. big three are still active, I think Rafa's going to win the French Open no matter what. I okay. think the closest person we saw to that last year was Team, and Team has always been the Prince of Clay. Yeah. Djokovic is not far away, though, as well. Djokovic is not far away as well. And I think Medvedev was his breakout year as well. That was unbelievable to see last year. And I think we saw that at the U.S. Open in that entire summer swing. Yeah. For... It was a brilliant final against Nadal, that one. Exactly. Yeah, like, he played. How many finals did he play that summer? He played, what, three or four? He won Cincinnati, final of Rogers. Mate, I think it, of US Open. Uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. The form Medvedev was in, I think it was unrivaled to a lot of players. Yeah, yeah. that was he didn't really the... quite do it in the slams. Obviously, US Open he managed to get to the final, but aside from that, he didn't really. 
do great. In, in it tends to have that weird January, February slump, though, each year. I don't know. The last two years, he's not played well in Jan and Feb. It's just Very a odd. slow start, but as long as you finish hard, like yeah. And I, and I think for those guys, it it was a list. It was Vera first, then it was Felix. Now then it was Sissapas, then it was Felix. It was those three to kind of do it team. And I think Jaron said it in the earlier in the goat video you guys made. Team is up there in age, like as well as he's. As well as how young these guys are, teams what mid twenties now? Twenty six, I think. Twenty six, I think. Twenty six, like he's not far off. But we've said that about Dimitrov too when he was in his prime. So I think it. I compare it to that sense of the higher you go up, the more chance you might be able to win a slam. Because look at Wadrenka. Wadrenka did it in his late twenties. He won three slams. But then you see a little bit like what we discussed on a few other pods is team seems to have this, I don't know, the nerves creeping a little bit with him. And it's it's quite yeah. evident. We saw that he had the opportunity to take what's even third place. And then he went out in the, uh, which which tournament was it? The clay cut, the ATP clay, when I can't remember which uh, tournament was. He lost a set to a wild card in the first round. And then he went out to, was it Mega? Yeah, yeah, I think in that though, he still managed to come third because of uh, Federer's injury. Um, oh, okay. It didn't really influence that much, but it's a good point you make. Like, him, his ability in the big moments where the pressure's on him to, to achieve something, we've seen it in the Australian Open final against Djokovic. There's, he's got an extra gear, which in his ability-wise, he's right up there, Dominic team. I just feel like yeah. there's something missing with his mental edge to be able to get it over the line and remain at that level. And I feel like when he's in front, He's not very dangerous. He's more dangerous when he's behind. But that's just my verdict on it all. And um, I love him. I think he's an amazing player on all surfaces now. He used to be, like you say, the Prince of Clay. But he's shown that he's able to to replicate that form on hard court. And um, I think this would have been a really exciting year to see how he progressed. Um, I I think so, too. Because I remember his... What was it? The quarters or semifinals against Rafa at the US Open two years ago. When he bageled Rafa... Or he won six one in the first set in less than like a half hour. Yeah, unbelievable! Like no one expected that at all. He was up, and then it went to a fifth set. Like no one, like he's able to prove himself in so many ways. But I think some of these young guys, like Sissipas, I'll take, I'll take that example because of his one hander. Like Sissipas is probably the next guy up, right after Zverev, because Zverev seems to have lost his momentum. Yeah. But Zverev also. It's still so young. We can't rule out any of these guys. While so if you, had, if you had to like order these right now, like what would you do as the who's your number one competitor? Sorry for to push you on it, but I want to. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Look, for, for, I for, want the people in the comments to be going for you, saying. All right, fair. <laughs> all right. So, so like one to five for like one being the next person to win a slam and five yeah. being the least. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me pull up the rankings to see where they are right now, as frozen as they are. I would put Sissipas at one, team at two, Medvedev at three. Oh, God. Because there are so many more. You you didn't mention Rublev, Kachanov, Shapo. Yep. Like, there's so many others that you yeah. can pick from. 
they could overtake those ones we've just been talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So Rublev is one more. He's one more titles in twenty twenty than any other player. Okay, and then so I said Sissipas, Team, Medvedev, Demon Hour. Yeah, that's another one. And then he's the dark horse, I think. Yeah, he definitely is. ADM. He's played incredible this year so far. Curious. Curious if he applied himself, he would win, and he knows that, and we all know that. I think he does it. Nick, if you're watching this video, I'm so sorry. I know you'll probably text me about this later, but please do not roast me again. Wait, wait, wait. You text Kyrgios? You can't just drop that on the podcast without explaining <laughs> You're going to just bring that in normal conversation that you, you yeah, text just, just Just name drop in there. I'm just going to leave it alone. Don't mention that. Wait, two steps. Roger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm live on a podcast. Two minutes. Sorry, it's just Roger calling no, I'll just I'll just let you know that my fifth one is Zverev. Okay. So we have Sissipas, Team, Medvedev, Demon Hour, Zverev. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Those are my five. Hey, that's an incredible list. Yeah, I. It's so hard, and and I think this is, and there are. I've heard arguments that this is also the weakest era immense tennis because you have the big three still dominating at such a older age than most people and it's not as competitive as the WTA but you can look at that two ways exactly that's what I mean I, 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 can, I completely slam that down right now I completely disagree <laughs> I, I think the ability like below that then five names you said there I think they're incredible tennis players however yeah. I think the top three are the greatest three of all time and I think the level they're playing at is that good. It doesn't matter how old they get. They've got a mental edge and an ability to be able to, when they're on court, they're winners and they win. And it's like, it doesn't matter how good you are below them. It's going to take a big effort to be able to beat them. And not just that, don't get me wrong. You're able to see that what you see Tammy beating Nadal in the, in the semifinals. Then you're always going to have to play one more of them. And if it's not, it'll be either Djokovic or Federer then. And you've got to get past one of them. And it's, I don't think anyone's been able to get past two of them. The only person you've seen do that is Stan Wawrinka. And that was in yeah. the US Open. I think uh, it's quite interesting because one name that always doesn't get brought up, probably because he's not really on the scene at the moment, is Andy Murray. And I think if these three players weren't, weren't in, he would probably be... 20 time Grand Slam champion over the uh -oh. past. <laughs> he probably oh, it's, like, it's like a whole other argument. It's, yeah, exactly. But well, he, he was such a, he was probably the only player who's actually top knocked anybody off all those three off number one. He was number one for what a whole year in back, what a few yeah. years back. In the, so he's the only one who's really toppled those big. And if he had kept his fitness and didn't have those injuries and had a slightly better mental edge. But he does. He's he, the only people he doesn't have the mental edge against is those three. It, it, he's like the British version of Andy Roddick. Like if Andy, <laughs> but yeah. it, right. Roger beat Roddick in what four, five, yeah. like Wimbledon finals. Yeah. Like, in the same way that Murray was always the runner-up at, I think it was the U.S. Open or Aussie Open. Yeah. So it's kind of it's like, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's you never know. People, I think this was funny on Twitter that people started asking how Andy Roddick had such a good record against Novak, and it's just, and he literally said, retire early. 
just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you keep your record above 100. Not as good as Kyrgios's record against Novak, though. Uh, very true. It's very 100%, true. 100% last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, so back on. <laughs> <laughs> are we going back to this? Back to Kyrgios. What is your relationship with Kyrgios? We met in Rome, and we just stayed in touch after that last that year. Sounds romantic. Oh, thank we you. Met in Rome. <laughs> we had a candlelit dinner at the Colosseum. <laughs> sounds yeah. amazing. What, what, what I'm actually interested about finding out on a serious note, because we saw that on one of your videos that you were actually knocking up with him at. Uh, Indian world. Yeah. Uh, was he giving you any, uh, was he testing you a little bit there? Was he hitting a few, like, because we've seen him hit some of those forehand winners that are about 200 miles an hour past people. Was he throwing it's, any of them at you? It's crazy. And I don't think people understand how well he can change a ball's pace because he can hit it as flat as he wants and then put so much spin on the ball at the same time, the next shot, that you can't find your rhythm. And his serve is as good as you think it is, too. Looks his, dynamite. He just takes one step in and just clocks it. In that Australian it's Open. Similar. I think there was one game, wasn't there? He did just four aces. Just yeah. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> no, but his match against Kachanov was un- yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I, he was talking about it uh, to his um, trainer while we were practicing. He's like, if I didn't win the third or like fourth set he would have lost it yeah but that was it's one of the matches which doesn't really even hasn't even really been spoken about this year like considering all the things that have happened and like even though we've had such few tennis that match was probably we've only had one grand slam he was the hometown guy and yeah just probably the most incredible match like five sets and just that final was it his final it was a tie break wasn't it, it was a yeah it, it was and, a tiebreaker in the fifth. and then it was against the Nadal, saying he no. just tries to do a second serve ace against Nadal at five all in the tie break. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that sounds like him too. It's but he, still. yeah. It uh, for me at least, I think he's okay. This is gonna sound weird, but I think he might be the top five best ball strikers of all time in tennis. I don't, I don't think that's um, I think that, that's weird at all. Um, the way he hits the ball and the way I see some of his shots, like he's the man for the highlight reel. There's no one really could you can make a there's no one in tennis history, in my opinion, where you can put a highlight reel like Kiros's together. It's the most incredible yeah. reel you can see. You can't. Like I'm talking about for entertainment factor and maybe Mom maybe Monfils can give him a little bit of a run for it. But Monfils is good as well. <laughs> I think they're two different styles of entertainment. Kyrgios has so much power and flair. Yeah. Monfils, his athleticism alone. Yeah, it, like the two different styles for me, like both make them the most entertaining. I like Monfils has that sort of he erupts when it, like the shots go in, whereas Kyrgios is more like, yeah, I know I can do it. Like I'll just show <laughs> you. Yeah, it's just a swag <laughs> on court. Like that's why yeah. people love Kyrgios. I don't think anybody ever argue with the fact that I've well, I've spoken to so many people like who tend big tennis fans or people who have played tennis, and they say that if he was the one person to apply himself. They reckon he would be the one to literally take on all of the top three. And I don't think anyone would ever argue with that. I think I, I think he I is literally at the top of his game. He can beat any of them. And you've seen what he can do against Rapper in the big tournaments. He can always take a set and it's just, there's always just a small little mental side that just goes a little bit, which is a 
sad because we really want to see him beat Rafa. So I know Darren probably doesn't, but <laughs> I always I had Kieran. He was my pick for the Australian Open, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> was he really? Yeah. It's because he, he was he was donating to charity for every ace that he said. I'm like yeah, I'm going and he for had Nick. the motivation. Yeah, I was like, I want him to do it for the Australian fires for everything. I my actual selection was Djokovic, but I thought if, oh, a bit boring. My, my, yeah, I know it's too boring. Oh. That's why. If it had been Djokovic versus Kyrgios in the final, what up, Ben? You're clever. I would. He, go, he goes bold for women, but then just goes Djokovic for the. Yeah, like, it's so that's no fun. Well, well, I said so Djokovic. Well, I said Djokovic was probably going to win three of the four Grand Slams this year. That was my pick at the beginning of the year, but I've, obviously it's not going to happen now. But it's open for debate. Maybe this U.S. Open, we're going to see a surprise winner. Maybe. Well, it's open. I had, um, who did I have? Shapovalov. I went outside. Of <laughs> wow. First round. First, first round. Out. First I, round out. <laughs> I, but yeah, it, that was sad. It was him and Felix. Yeah, Felix went I, out as well. Felix went out as well. And on the women's side, too, Sloan Stevens, I think, bounced out of like four first rounds. She had a terrible like, I was, start. I was just like, I was like, what? I know. This is a US Open I mean, champion. It was, same, it was the same score she lost to by the same player the year before, right? Was yeah. it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's the exact same. She I believe it was that one, wasn't it? That's crazy. She played, it was the exact Z- same score. Zhang, wasn't it? Zhang? Yeah. I think yeah. it was something like that, yeah. She lost to Zhang the exact same way the year before. Same That's round, same score. Unreal. That's terrifying, too. Yeah. Like in three sets, I think she won the first set 6-4, and then she lost the next one. I'm not sure exactly, but she was the same way. It was crazy. We'll, we'll fact check this after this. Yeah, it's, no, on no, the, it's on, yeah, it's on the other podcast as well. We've already oh, done another podcast story. We fact checked that one already. Okay, yeah. my fault. Right. <laughs> There's someone in the comments will do it for us, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll, tell, <laughs> they'll tell me some score. They'll be like, you're not, you're not fair. I'm like, I, I really don't know. I couldn't tell you the score of like a tournament ago. Exactly. We can't we can't be uh, catering to everybody's needs, can we? No, not at all. We'll do it for time, Bet. <laughs> Wrap it up. Yeah, so we didn't get to much. Well, I was going to make some selections, but I don't think we... No one needs to hear me ramble on about who I think... They, they I, listen I, every week to you. We've got a celebrity guest on. We need to, we need to get more limelight on I'm here. a celebrity? There's no way in hell I'm a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You've got Big Phil on. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I know, we had the slice oh. on. Now we've got Phil, he's on. We've got, well, anybody. Well, Kyrgios on next week, I heard. Yeah, Jesus. I'll let him know. I'll let him know. Yeah, you can come on together if you want. We're going to fill up the fourth square of the video. We need a... No, you'll just kick me off and just put yeah. your logo where my head is. And then you just have Nick talk the entire just, time. Just, just muted his uh, microphone. I'll just be to kick Nick. Oh, Nick, I love you so much. Honestly, I'm willing you to win every single match. Um, yeah, anyway, I think we've done enough on this podcast. It's yeah. been a good one. Yeah. We enjoyed it. You guys watching. A big thank you to Philip for appearing on the podcast. Yeah, much appreciated. The channel is extremely exciting. If you've not checked it out already, go check it out. I'll thank put the, the link down below. Tween Ahead. Tween Ahead is the thank channel's you. name. Philip Farmer, the name. There you go. So, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment. And I guess we're out. Yeah. See you next time. See you next time. Peace. Bye, guys.
Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.